0: The Damaged Goods Podcast.
1: I like that. So is, is Fab your number five? No, so to be honest with you, I came across this
2: site and it had, um, it was like Biggie Nas, Rakim, Koji Rap. And, um, but the thing that was dope, and, and I would rock that, shirt with those guys on it too but what gave you the option before you ordered is to to put a five that you want oh that's kind of ill i like that. yes so this is my take on this and this is one of my favorite things and i know you'll appreciate it because you know what i'm saying your background and your you know passion for music i was a barber for 16 years so one of the fucking things that you mainly uh have these debates and arguments sometimes is either sports or, or music, right? Yeah. And one of my favorite things, and there's no right or wrong answer. This is the thing I, I want to say ahead of time. There's no right or wrong answer, right? But when you ask someone, like, yo, who's your top five? Who's your top three MCs? The fucking, the, 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 the rabbit hole that you can go down arguing with someone about music is so fucking entertaining.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay? Because my favorite of all time is Biggie yeah that that's just that, that that that's just me it's like are there there's an endless amount of other guys right is this my top five in a row no the only thing that's legit on this is that biggie's my number one nice
1: nice well do you
2: know what i'm saying and i wanted this because you know I, they just all mean something to me personally that's what's dope about music it's just yeah. certain artists that <clears throat> all groups you know because wu-tang's my all-time favorite up there with biggie
0: yeah.
2: um you know, so I am and I'm sure you got a top three or oh, a top yeah. five, but you 100 percent have a, a number one.
1: Oh yeah, but it, it like the interpretation, like you said, like everyone has their own, and it's it's music, just like like visual art, just like graffiti. It, there is no, it's not sports. There's no stats. You can't really say this guy's the best, you know. So it's it's up yeah. you know. Uh, and I have well, that's
2: for- but it's not to cut you off. That no. that but that's funny you just said that because there are some dudes that would chime in. And they do treat, like, album sales yeah. and this, that's that, true. and the other as stats. And it's like, yo, homie, we're not talking about fucking LeBron, Karina, jabbar and Jordan. Yeah.
0: Do you
2: yeah. know what I'm saying? Because there's plenty of MCs that never sold millions of records that, without yeah. a doubt, if you're a hip-hop head, fucking shit on some dudes that have sold millions. Yeah. That's yeah. just, that's,
1: like, not up for debate if someone's into hip-hop.
2: You know what I mean? It's like... they
1: really a factor in, because you got MC Hammer is going to outsell Rakim. But you would never you would never claim that, that, that Trump's rock him in, in the in the history books, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, well
2: you got like one hit wonders in and fucking people that literally have one song that's still doing numbers, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like and 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 you know, so when I ordered this, I was like, hmm, what do I want to do for five? You know, I don't even have Nas on here. Nas is one of my all-time favorites, but so are all these guys.
1: <laughs> I'm actually. Like two days from now, or when this, when this podcast airs, like a day from now, I'm going to be in Vegas. My man's DJing a gig with meth, and so I'll be chilling with meth and my homie, and he's a great live performer. He's one of my favorite live MCs, uh, especially so it's funny. Wu-Tang. Meth is great, live. So
2: fun, funny story. I wake up. I love Wu-Tang. I even got a Wu-Tang fucking tattoo on my leg, and it's got the Jason face um, inside of it, obviously playing off of my name being uh, Jason. So, this is
1: not couple. to cut you off this time, but a great place to to segue to introduce you is uh my man's name is Jason, or Jay Back or Back or Backsy. Um, he was on this fucking podcast a couple months ago. It was such a fucking great episode, and everybody loved it. And him and I talked about doing a round two because there was just too much juicy shit. Uh, so he's back on. This dude is a graffiti legend, an incredible visual artist. He works in recovery with men's groups, and he's just an all-around ill motherfucker. And a dude I've known for a long time, and a Boston native, if you can't tell, if your ears don't work. But my man Jay Bach is back, and uh, yeah. So go on, go on. My fault. Thank you,
2: thank you for having me, man. Um, a
1: pleasure. And you got great manners. What was the uh... great manners from you know from a street kid from Boston, graffiti writer, impeccable manners. I'm probably the only person who said that to me out of all guests I've ever had. What? Thank you. Well, just like, oh, thank you for having me. It's so nice, dude. Like my mother would love you if I brought you over the house. You could catch tags in the garage. She's cool. All oh, my graffiti, yeah. right? Came over all the time. Crashed the crib, but they, she's like, loves the nice manners.
2: Yeah, yeah, dude. I mean, it it took a while to, uh, you know, be the guy that has the nice manners. Not not to say I was like some fucking Viking when I was younger, but um respect goes a long way, and it's That's it's. You don't give it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I should say it's like an, uh, it's earned. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel like, you know, you earn respect, but you give it away. And then that's how you see if there's going to be people that you fuck with because they usually fuck. They don't take it advantage of them. Yeah. You hope, you know? Well, yeah, a lot of people do, but it's, um, what we, oh, the Wu-Tang thing. Yeah. So <laughs> Good. a couple of weeks ago, I had a missed call, missed, uh, FaceTime from one of my boys. And the next day he texts me and he's like, yo, he, so, so I'm sorry. It was a missed call, missed FaceTime and a text that said, you'll never guess who's on my flight sitting next to me. Picture of him and Method Man.
1: Oh, nice.
2: Probably one of the most gut wrenching missed calls I've ever had. Oh okay? yeah. You could have got a little, oh man. So I just fucking did these. Um, I did a, a Method Man a portrait for this dude and then I did uh, an old Dirty Bastard one. And my boy was sitting next to Met the Man on his flight and was telling him, like, yo, I got a friend. He's grew up doing graffiti, and he just did some Wu-Tang shit. That's, like, his all-time favorite. And I was like, what the fuck? But I guess they exchanged info. He, he's been in contact with um, uh, his manager. Um, so we'll, we'll see if something comes about from that. It's whatever. I just thought that was a cool little, since we're talking about, I imagine know, the, the, they the rapper list
1: sitting first class not because it's method man but method man is a is a tall motherfucker he's bigger than me and i'm like six two and a half and a half, has got to be like six four most of wu-tang is physically some big motherfuckers so like to sit on a plane with that leg room is excruciatingly painful so not of his stature as a a celebrity or musician but his pure body size he had to be sitting in first class
2: Well, well and method man's jacked as fuck right now yeah yeah, yeah. I this see. is probably the best best shape he's been in. He's got to be what fifty. Yeah, I'm close always- to it, close yeah. to it. Um, but
1: that was a cool.
2: Uh, plus the fact that I watched the Wu Saga on, on Hulu. I fucking love that show.
1: Thought, hell yeah! I haven't. I peaked, love it. I haven't peeked it. I like Far. the documentary they did. Uh, on I think it was like Showtime. It was like four four parts documentary. Was ill.
2: That was yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. That was dope. Um, but yeah, kind of just been getting into that and um. Yeah, man. I just I nerd out on on fucking Wu Tang. I actually just bought tickets the other day. Me and my brother were gonna go see the Three Chambers tour, which is uh Jizza, yeah, Ray Rayquan, and Ghostface at uh House I heard of Blues. It's a great right?
1: tour, dude. I heard it. I mean, I've seen Wu Tang uh, a billion times. Yeah. Seen all the individuals, but my man was he was hosting that tour at the like in uh, Minneapolis. He shout out to my man Peter Parker. He's like a radio personality, so they came through Minneapolis. And he's a you know, he's our age group, comes from the same kind of background. He was just saying how double was that they were all doing those. And those are like my three favorite solo Wu Tang albums. So I would be all, about yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I, I've seen them before.
2: I've seen them in New York. I've seen them in uh, Worcester. Um, but I'm looking forward to it because my brother's never seen them. So it's going to, it means something to me for us to go see that together, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's some beautiful thing about like, experiencing live music with certain people. I mean, obviously you could go with your boys and maybe you were drinking and partying, but like when you go with, um, you know, maybe it's your girl at the time or a friend that's, you want to put them on to whoever that artist is live or even going with like family members. Like I've gone to a lot of live music with respectively both my parents, you know, and they're divorced, but some ill moments cause they're big music fans. So it's fucking fun. Or like I've had people take me to shit that I wasn't hip to as first. And then I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Or if you're lucky enough to go to a show where something, not crazy, like bad, but some maybe they bring out crazy guests or something crazy does happen. You go, I was there, you know, yeah. like, that's the old shit. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, it's definitely a whole vibe. And I haven't been to a, a dope concert like that. I'm really looking forward to, you know, like that in a, in a while. And I, like I said, I've seen Wu-Tang before. I seen him for Rock the Bells years ago. And that yeah, shit was I saw that at what, the it was center, the, right? Or
1: the- in,
2: no, it was in New, was in New York. Oh the New York
1: one. Oh
2: hell yeah. Yeah, it was in New York. There was two stages. So you Hello, had like the underground beach? one. Was it the Jones Beach? I think that was. I for, honestly I forget. It was like two thousand seven, but it was a it was a really dope weekend because the following day we were doing a production in the Bronx with um with the BT crew and UW. Shout out to those cats that are from the Bronx.
0: That's sick.
2: Um yeah, it was a dope weekend, man. It was it was uh definitely one for the history books. It was um you know, I uh, got to meet some of those guys for the first time. And as a kid growing up, and I think I shared this a little bit on our first episode that we did, um, you know, I started going out to New York young to visit my aunt. And I just always had a thing for New York. You know, if you're into hip hop and graffiti and shit, it's like most likely you also can understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I'd go to visit as a kid and just feel like charged up like you after the week or the weekend. Treat. Like,
1: oh, shit you know take yeah
2: some- and just like i'd come home and i it would just like music wise first of all hot 97 even back then when i was in high school it just played you know boston no offense but we both know this it was very limited to what you had access to to like yeah. good hip-hop you had like nine eight nine. it
1: really because the commercial stations they couldn't really run too much back then and maybe late late on a sunday night you know yeah so i would always be
2: like just fueled up music wise and like motivated to hit spots that maybe were just like maybe i just thought of painting them in boston you know whether it was rooftops or ledge spots or risky shit because i'd go there and i'm like yo in a grand scheme of things you go to new york yeah you could be the illest motherfucker there is you're gonna go there and your ego is gonna become right size and you realize you really ain't killing it that
1: much yeah you were a big fish in a small pond Essentially, yeah. You know, yeah I'm coming
2: people. from I'm needs. coming from the outskirts of Boston, the North Shore area. I'd go into Boston; it's only a couple train stops away, you know. But I'd come back from New York, and that shit would just have me wanting to go fucking ham, bro. And I right. just, and it always was like that. Just growing up, I'd go and visit my aunt, and 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 um, I'd I'd be getting either mixtapes or be put on to just music that was because New York was ahead of us, you know what I'm saying? Right. Even fashion, I remember. My favorite thing in high school was, was going to Auntie Debbie's and going to the city or going somewhere to get a fresh pair of fucking shell toes or something oh, that, that they didn't have no Yeah, Yeah. 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 Some shit like that. Um, I mean, that's, that was so I always, that was always like the, the, it like fanned my desire as a writer and just a hip hop head back in the day was going to New York and just uh, those little um, excursions, you know, because then as I got older, I got to paint more. Yeah. As a goal, a, a major goal when I was a kid is I wanted to, eventually, because the times that I'm talking about right now, I was kind of too young to really go there on my own. But as I got older, I, I always was like, I want to come back here and and get down. Like I want to be somebody. You know that sounds to someone that's not into like graffiti and shit like that. Like literally, as a young kid, I was like, I want to be a known graffiti writer. Yeah, that's the most important thing to graffiti writers. That's the most important. Yeah but a lot of what people don't talk about is see my lifestyle was very negative, and we talked about this before um because it was like drugs and partying and painting okay it's only like three things but that's basically what it is based around yeah drugs and partying and painting more so painting and then it started to become more so drugs mm-hmm. and even though my goal was to become a well-known writer over time, by putting the drugs and alcohol and going more of a recovery route, being a well-known graffiti writer is what ended up getting me some other opportunities. Because what happens in graffiti, out of all the elements of hip hop, first of all, it's the only illegal one.
0: Yep.
2: Second of all, motherfuckers don't respect you until you got at least like ten years in the game. Yeah. It really. I mean, it, it really is because a lot of people come and go and just fucking. They're like culture vultures, you know what I'm saying? You got to pay and
1: heavy in graffiti, more than you, you, you gotta you, other you, elements. You got to pay heavy, heavy dues.
2: Yeah, and 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 now, by you know, I'm almost like grateful for the negativity and bullshit that I dealt with before. You know, we touched a little bit on the beef and those stories last time, and it just comes with graffiti, man. If you do, I, I just personally in my life, any writers I know and have known for years that really got it in, yeah. they all have come across. Must either beef or court legal tr- issues, jail time, whatever it looks like, right? But most that are still doing it at my age, like I'm gonna be forty-two in a couple months. I'm not yeah. out fucking wilding out every night. Yeah. I don't drink. Yeah, I don't do drugs. I'm not doing like my life's positive. You, you like I got all these fucking I got canvases. There's no fucking room in the apartment. I'm actually moving into a bigger place with me and my girl. And you know I enjoy doing this shit now. That's not to be confused with. You know, I still get it to fuck in, just like we talked about before. But this shit is enjoyable, man. These are like iconic images growing up. Like, running, Stimpy was huge. Yeah. I got Jessica Rabbit, Betty Boo. Uh,
0: I'm Jessica
2: working on this joint now. Pop-out chick. Oh, that's dope. You Dude, know? I like that. Yeah, I got Jessica Rabbit with the fucking the camo dress on and shit. She's a babe. Um, Cartoon babe. Yeah, man. Yeah. Just fucking doing the damn thing, bro. I got a little Mickey joint right here. I got a Mickey. Hold know. Yeah. I got shit phone. I did like a neon Mickey.
1: See, that's beautiful, man. What? And that's just on a
2: round canvas? Yeah, and then I, I did like a, a resin. See how it's shiny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really. Yeah, I just add the resin to it and, um, yeah, man. And then these are mainly commissions, too. I got a little Yosemite Sam joint over here. Peep that shit.
1: Fire, yeah, Yosemite Sam was always oh, got the guns smoking. six Yeah, yeah.
2: Smoking.
1: Yeah, he's got that with the bullet holes and shit. But you make a, a good point about, like, you know, the, the transition that a lot of writers, especially the really good ones, you know, kind of make. And it's not to abandon writing, bombing, getting up or none of that, but, you know, opportunities that arise only because of your name. Oh, I see this guy up a lot, and maybe he knows people that mingle in the art scenes and the music and fashion scenes. Oh, well, can you can you get can we commission you to do the wall at this this hotel, the the front of my store to do some shirts, and uh, I think a lot of that you know comes with time and paying dues. And I knew a lot of writers who moved to New York, whether it was to go to like art school or or whatever, and they were coming from either small cities like Boston or or even smaller places, and some of them very good, but like you said you go there, you're in the epicenter, the birthplace and still the epicenter and people that have been taking it very seriously for for, for decades, you you get, you're humbled down naturally. And if you're not, you will soon. And I had writer friends encountering beef so serious. It was as if these people were taking it like, like a drug beef or a turf beef, like guns and attempted murders come into play. Like we're talking real serious, not just crossing dudes out. And that shook a lot of writer dudes like holy fuck I didn't I didn't know it was gonna be like this, you know? Yeah. Oh that's a
2: that's a real thing. And um I I have a similar experience with that and, and it goes into the passion of that you have to have to be an actual writer.
0: Oh heavy dedication. Right.
2: And 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 the shit's not for the week. For me to be 41 years old, um and admit that I've been doing Graffiti since I was like twelve yeah. that's that's nineteen ninety two but I was a fucking toy the neat toy then i was a I was a little kid, but I was in the act of 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 writing my name back then, not even a fucking tag you know um but there's just something inside to be looking at it now in hindsight and i and i and I speak about this sometimes that was like my first addiction, yeah. Like, hands down, because at that young of age, I wasn't drinking yet or doing drugs, but there's something. Yeah. And most writers can relate with this.
1: Yeah, they Whatever call it bug and shit. A lot of them, like, they, they can't stop. They walk down the street, it's, like, compulsive to to tag, even if that's all I got.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I and I went through a stage like that. I mean, it's not that crazy now. I definitely don't just, like, write on shit wherever I go. <laughs> because this is a fucking marathon, and yeah. there's a reason why a lot of dudes tapped out. A yeah. couple years in, dudes went hot as a motherfucker and they catch cases and, oh. and that comes with it. Yeah. You're gonna, I've been through the court system. I've done so many community service hours. I've been um, court ordered to halfway houses, probation, pissing in cups, sober houses, you know, all that shit. At one point when I first embarked on recovery, one of my first stints years ago, I must have been like 24, 25, right? This is kind of funny thinking of this. I went like a few months, like I had got clean and I was like, I'm not I'm a fucking quick graph. I'm not even catching a tag. And for a few months I was basically like locked in this facility waiting to get into a halfway. I was, I shouldn't say locked in. If I really wanted to leave, I could, but I would have been home. So oh, okay. I view it as like locked in. Plus I had these court cases and shit. So if I just dipped out, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm going to have to do that time. But I was like, I'm not, I wouldn't even pick up a fucking, I wouldn't catch would any like, fucking back tags. Like, yeah, I would. No hand styles, like not even in a notebook. It's funny, like, I don't even think I fucking have shared this part in, in depth yet. Literally, I wouldn't even catch a tag in a notebook. And all I do is I focused on cutting people's hair. But the difference this time is I didn't give a shit if you had money to pay me. I wasn't like, yo, I want cigarettes or soups or whatever. Right? I just was cutting people's hair. And people would come in to speak to us and I'd listen because before I would just fucking character assassinate. Some dude would come in, right? Carry himself. Look like he got his shit together, but I was so insecure and hurting back then, bro. I would just character assassinate the fuck out of anyone that looked like that. I'll mm. tell you now at almost 42, that was my insecurity. It had nothing to do with them. Mm. Right. And I remember it because something in me was just like, yo, don't, don't do the graffiti, don't do this, don't do that, right? Plus, most writers that have sobered up or got off drugs can relate with this, just like rap is or songwriters or And When you are used to doing drugs and living that lifestyle and you have a passion or you're an artist and creative type, when you remove the drugs, at least my narrative, my fucking head said that I'm not creative unless I'm on the drugs.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a common... Do you, fear. you know what I mean? A lot of artists, that's a common fear of if they, they get sober or clean they're gonna lose it, whether it's comedians, writers, musicians, or anybody, yeah. Well, because you're like, I mean, for me, when I
2: first went down a recovery road, I had to get to know myself, because that dude that I was before was like a facade. You know what I mean? Like within reason, don't get me wrong, so I go completely fake, but you like have survival instinct. I'd be hanging around people I really don't like, because you got drunk. Yeah. I'd be hanging around people that I really don't like because you got the cop. Yeah. Or I'd be hanging around people I really don't like because they're down to get down the way I get down. Yeah, yeah. That's real. Okay, because we start to outcast who the fuck we fuck around with. I'm only going to hang out with you when I'm in active addiction. Yeah. I'm yeah. only fucking with you if you get down the way I do. Meaning yeah. like the crime escalated, the kind of drugs we do escalated, you know, um, the risk of just maneuvering throughout the day. Yeah. That shit escalated, you know, so it's, it's you, you are who you hang with, you know what I'm definitely. saying? And I hung around other scumbags.
1: We, I mean, I have to, I definitely have to make those choices myself uh, to, you know, separate that shit, because we, we like to imagine we're not influenced by our friends and shit, but I think there's like a communal influence when you hang out with a group of people, like all into a same kind of thing where you're not checking each other about, is this good? Is this bad? We're just doing it. We're just doing it. We're just doing it. You know, it happens. No,
2: that, and that's true. And it's funny that you say it like that. Like, you know, because now like my, I have certain people I could probably count on like one hand. See, I don't know if you're anything like me, but growing up, I feel like I needed to know everyone. I wanted to, to, to fucking be involved in everything. And really, I just wanted to be accepted. Yeah. Graffiti.
1: Part was big.
2: Graffiti for me. There was like a culture and there was a there was something about the act of painting that made me it got me out of me. Mm. The flip side of that is the graffiti culture as a whole, especially when you're coming up and trying to make a name for yourself, it's not welcoming at all. Nah, no, nah. No, not at all. It's not welcoming at all. And I didn't have any like uh mentors. Um so I didn't, I I just kind of like seen stuff and knew what I wanted my shit to eventually look like, you know? Um, and then over time, which is funny to bring it back to the New York thing over time from just grinding and staying on my path, a lot of what I was influenced by and motivated by, I started to be able to come to these situations where I was meeting some people that really inspired me and that I looked up to just by taking their flicks. Like I still got photo albums of, right? And those, those people became um, my peers. Some would just, you know, you dap them up, meet them. Hey, man, it's cool. You've motivated me since I was a kid. Maybe you get to rock with them. But some others became really, really uh, friends. tight oh. friendships that I'm still in contact with where it's not always about hitting each other up about painting.
1: Oh, you know what I mean? Like life conversations, life shit. Yeah.
2: Like you... Yeah, because that's that's what's really important. Like, the people I call my friends today, I check in with them to see how they're fucking doing. It's nothing about what you can do for me. Yeah. I just genuinely want to know how people are doing because I know what it's like for people to not give a fuck how you're doing, you know? And I don't... I personally... I came from a very negative upbringing and the shit that I was exposed to. And I think that's why graffiti was like my first true love and it's still there for me today it keeps me young you know i know i touched on a couple of those things the last episode but it's kind of hard to not talk about graffiti without sounding repetitious because graffiti as a whole is very repetitious about getting up but to me it's about the whole package you gotta you know i like characters i like hand styles you know i'm working on the clothing line i got the street smart stickers right here i like that Uh, you know yeah i got i got a whole fucking thing over here of uh you know, shirts, and now the winter's coming, so I'll get into some hoodies, and,
0: yeah.
2: you know, it, it's, uh, it's just, it, it's nice to sit back and reflect and realize, like, I might have gone down a negative route and, and wild out and did all this shit, but it's, uh, it's been a, it, quite the journey, bro.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's turned into more of a positive, my life's super positive yeah. now.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, but it, it was earned. It was, it was earned. Yeah, and it's 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 peaceful, man. And I and I, it, I have to work hard to keep it peaceful. And what I mean by that is, and some people that are gonna watch this will relate with this, man. And that's why I talk the way I do because, you know, like I seen a meme the other day that said, "Some of us recover loudly for the ones suffering in silence." Right. I'm passionate about who I am as a person, my lifestyle, what I do, because I at one point, Jake, for real, like and I, and I kind of want to spread this message on purpose for people, someone that's watching it, that's cool that people listen to these, and it's like, oh, we get to hear some tales of, like, a writer, but a lot of what riddles the graffiti culture is, is drug addiction, hmm. right? Yeah. And I, and I just wanted to take this moment. If anyone is watching that and feels like they have a fucking issue or, like, they're alone or, or no one wants to hear them, I'm here to shatter that illusion because I thought the same way, Jake. No one wants to hear me. No one gives a fuck. No one feels the way I feel. I'm the most uniquely fucked up guy. It's a lie. There's many of us that have gone through this. I just needed help to get out of my way, you know? And that's why I'm like blessed that I get to. So I manage a lot of the sober living houses and the treatment houses up here in, in Nashville. So I'm dealing with addicts in recovery every day, man. And, um, I wouldn't want it any other way, man, because I see a lot of people come in that are fucking hopeless. And sometimes you just gotta look them in the eye and be like, yo, I actually give a fuck, dude. Yeah. Do you I feel, personally am telling you I give a fuck.
1: Did you feel like uh, when you were like hoping to get cleaned up and shit or were on the path, did you feel like a lot of writers and people in the graffiti community, you couldn't talk to them about that or, or no one would care if you were trying to get clean? Did you feel like anyone else was secretly striving to clean their life up, but it wasn't something they could speak about? Or go to other fellow writers about. So, here's the thing. My my
2: first my first stint at like trying to clean up right were like 2003, going into 2004, like that time period, right? Now, my boy, Delic had OD'd in 2002. Um. Danny Dose from Boston. Yeah. He had passed away. Um. And then when I got clean and had and started to really like clean up and, and clean my life up, Tease passed away in 2005. And not, other than Danny Dose, because I didn't know him, I only had met him a couple times. He wasn't like my boy, but I knew that he passed away from drugs. Um, these other guys, Tease and Delic and shit, our addictions kind of spiraled out of control altogether. So when I cleaned up, it was more of Yo, this whole fucking culture, at least the scene that I was fucking with, was the party scene. Hmm. I'm sorry, but the fucking party was over. Like, I ended up living a life where I couldn't just go to the party and get drunk. Yeah, you had to take. You know what I'm saying?
1: Like level ten shit all the time,
2: right? Yeah, like it it goes from party into I don't care that it's Tuesday, we're getting it in. Then it goes to there's not enough beers or alcohol here. To then, everything escalated, man. Yeah. Like everything to the point where it's like, yo, just keep the car running, and I'll go get us money. Oh, shit.
0: Yeah, 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 but
2: if I, if, I, if I was to tell the 14, 15-year-old version of me that by the time you're in your early 20s, you'll be getting down like that, I'd laugh in your face and be like, nah, bro, I'm just having fun with my boys, right?
1: It goes quick, it moves quick, that escalation. And none of those people are my boys today, bro. It's not coincidental, I'm sure, you know, like when you look back. I mean,
2: I do have some friends from way back then, but I don't even hang out with them all the time. I mean, as we get older, bro, we become adults, have families, have careers and stuff like. All I did was hang out and act reckless for so many years and that gets you nothing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where I'm like trying to be. My, my life is to the point, bro, where, like, one of my favorite expressions is, is no days off. Because my drug addiction, there was definitely no days off. But my, like, part, you know what I mean? Like, no, it's a know, good
1: it, way to flip it back. It, 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 it was no days off when it spiraled out of control completely. Yeah. And I mean, you work hard. I can tell you always are a man that's very busy. Looks like you've got a lot of, like, projects, things you're doing, everything you're very passionate about. But you look like you keep your calendar full in a good way. You know what I'm saying? You got yeah, yeah. going on.
2: Well, I just got a full life and I'm about balance. And balance to me, I used to always try to use that word and be like, yeah, I need to find balance. And really what it is, is I, I do what I enjoy to do. I do what I need to do.
0: Yeah.
2: Do you know what I mean? And, that, and that's what balances up. Like, don't just do what you want to do.
0: Yeah. We
2: got to do what we need to do.
1: Handle your shit.
2: You know? Uh, and a big part of that is, is, is my mental health. I can't just sit home all goddamn day and do these type of canvases. That shit will get boring too.
1: Yeah, switch it up. You know what I mean?
2: Go to the gym. Tomorrow I run men's group at the treatment center. That's a little bit more of a pretty um, serious, about hour and a half. Talk to these guys about life stuff. Yeah. Stuff that I learned along my way and to be able to be in a position where you can just share your experience with these guys. Um. You know, then I started doing a boot camp class on Tuesday. So from four thirty to five thirty, me and a bunch of uh, men and women that I work with, it's dope. It's really like dope team building shit because you got some people that have like never really taken working out serious in their life. mixed with some people that, that do work out and we work out nonstop for like forty-five minutes. And um, it's pretty fucking euphoric, bro, because I'll be the first one to tell you. I might work out every day and go to the gym and lift, but boot camp classes where you're like
1: Whoop your ass. Going,
2: going, going.
1: Yeah. Well that's like, it's like going to New York City as a writer when you're young, it's like some good way to humble you even though you're in good shape and you work out all the time. You do this boot camp class and it it puts a workout on you, humbles you down. It's hardest, some people never stay humble throughout life as they grow, but you always need something to remind you, put you in check every once in a while, you know? There's
2: always something to keep your ego right sized. Yeah. That's my experience, no matter what you're doing or thinking about or money or career, whatever if you choose to look at it for what it is, yes, there can always be someone better. And that's not to be like discouraging. It's just to realize like, yeah, th- there's always more to do, but that can be a motivating
1: thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's what drives a lot of artists is like, you never, I don't know. You're not always, not that you're unsatisfied with yourself, but you're always trying to outdo yourself and, and grow and expand and try something new that you haven't done. Some element of something you haven't mastered. And that way you can keep spreading your wings and continuously growing and shit, expanding.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's that's ultimately what I'm trying to do now as an as a as an artist in the sense of commissioned jobs like this. Like, I like doing more positive related stuff now too. Like, I did the um, since we last spoke, I did the Big Grateful project.
1: Yeah, what's that? Me and
2: Swerve. About? So up here in Nashville, when I first uh, moved back. I noticed that there was a lot of artwork in the community. So my first, I was like, all right, if I'm going to be living here, you know, I want to get it in more than just this, like, legal wall they had, which me and Swerve started just rocking all these themes and, and um, productions we had planned. And it started causing a little buzz. People reached out like, oh, that's really dope. Like, because we started just painting this shit, like, every few weeks. That's um, but being back working in treatment and, and working around addicts and just in the recovery community, I was like, you know what? I said to Swerve, I was like, I mean, I still like painting trains. I still like doing my thing. However, when you've been doing it for like a long time, 25 plus years, right? I need to always keep it interesting. Yeah. So that's where the balance part comes in. I love doing this shit, especially when I sell it for money. <laughs> a lot of these, yeah. you know what I'm saying? This rent, this, this rent and Stimpy joint, I did a, a series going to be a four part. I'm going to finish it off with pinky in the brain
0: awesome. and I'm going to
2: frame them and add some resin and do my thing these ones aren't sold yet but this other shit all these things I post on Facebook and whatever those are all commission pieces and I have fun you just work on them boom get your money you give it out to people they're getting a piece of your life I mean when you are passionate artwork any type of artist it it takes hours and man time and fucking skills and, and all these things that go into it so yeah you know, you should be reciprocated with some money. But the trains and the bombing and all the other shit that feeds the passion. But to me as an artist, and that's what's dope about the relationship I'm in now, because my girl, she'll know like, yo, you need some, you need some like uh, train therapy, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. very important for a guy like me. Like I'm not out every, I'm not out every night. But what I've realized, bro, this is a fucking marathon. A lot of dudes come out, and you're the hardest dude in the 50 yard dash. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not hitting it for the 50 yard dash. Clearly, bro, I got fucking gray in my beard and shit. Yeah,
0: welcome. welcome to the I'm country. not a
2: young buck no more. You know what I'm saying? But my passion for art and graffiti and the clothing and all of that, when you balance right, bobbin and weaving, I like a little bit of this hoodies, uh, ho- <coughs> Excuse me, hoodies, canvases. Uh, maybe a train maybe a production that shit that shit honestly bro it it it, it feeds my spirit you know yeah. along with the gym along with meetings along with helping guys along with being there for my girl along with with helping her raise her son because we me and her been together almost a year and, and Carter was uh was two months when i when i got with her you know and um i didn't have a dad growing up so the the cool perspective about recovery and just trying to be better than I was yesterday is that I don't dwell on the fact that I didn't have a father figure. I just, I'm the guy today that I needed when I was younger, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Completely makes sense. For sure. You
2: know, it's just like about it. The competition is me. I used to always live life trying to compete with everyone. You know what I mean? And and as men, I think we do have, you know, with, but it goes back to trying to keep the ego right size. If you try to go through competing with everyone your whole fucking life, you get burnt out. When you realize this guy, okay, because I used to hate me, bro. You know, and I know it keeps going back to a recovery thing. But with the way that I, my brain ticks these days, it's almost impossible for me to go longer than a few minutes without bringing it to that type of discussion. Only because, um, as humans, not even just writers and not even just addicts, just as humans, we all suffer in all different ways. It's just that some of us get in our own way. I won't admit that.
0: Yeah.
2: I fucking admit it. <laughs> I'm free about who the fuck I am, you know? Well, and, and I, liberating I now. hope, well, I, I just hope that the times that we've spoken, I know we got a good, um, response from before. And that makes me feel good, you know, yeah, cause people reached out good. to me and, cool. um, some people I know that hit me up, know you from the past too. And it's, uh, good. good. it's, I don't know. It feels good, man. It feels good to just uh, be honest and have people maybe relate with it. Maybe you relate with the graffiti. That's mm-hmm. cool. Maybe you relate with just trying to be better, be a better guy or, or female, whoever's watching, than you were yesterday, right? Because um, I'm fucking blessed, bro. I, I actually got mad emotional earlier, to be honest with you. So tomorrow's November 2nd. November 2nd, 2016, dear friend of mine passed away from a drug overdose. Mm. About a week later, I came back into recovery and I haven't looked back since. So you so weren't I'm coming up at the time when he no. passed away? No, I I think we touched on this the last episode. I had I had eight and a half years clean. Mm.
1: Yeah. And so that was the time when you'd fall off and then his passing kind of Struck you hard enough to go fuck yourself. yeah. There was like this, this there was this like two and a half year window, almost three years,
2: of in and out, in and out, in and out, and that was one of the toughest times of my life. I had to go to this man's wake, hmm. see some dear friends of mine that want nothing but the best for me, mourn my friend, and admit I was coming back what i mean by coming back is like coming back to the real me. The real me, i know what it is. The real me is not on drugs and alcohol. It's not chasing negativity. You know, i had a switch and and i had a i had a long road to and, and i'm coming up on 5 years next week man, which is yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Thank you. It's great. I just i just spoke earlier. It's been a fucking pretty emotional night in a good way. Um it's about 200 people packed in. It's earlier.
0: Shit, that's a lot.
2: And yeah, a lot of people that are in the community up here in the sober living and the treatment houses and, and addicts just like me. Um, yeah, and I spoke for like a half hour, man, and that shit was like moving as fuck. That's beautiful, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was just like, I don't know, man. Uh, and I posted something before me and you linked up on the Zoom. It was something along the lines of... Uh, life I wrote like life moves and I fuck quote and I'm just going to say it what it is life moves at an alarming rate yeah. right and I've noticed that it, it 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 was fucking very stagnant when my life was negative and and, and chaotic with drugs like almost like the day just dragged out right mm-hmm. and now that I enjoy my life in a healthy relationship in good shape try to eat good most of the time that part's tough right in the gym doing artwork doing yo jake maybe you can relate yo time these days bro yo to the point where it's kind of scary yeah at least just this is just my take and, and i've realized that because i worked hard to build a life worth living the only thing i've personally noticed and i have to keep saying this to myself because it's it's true the only thing i've noticed that kind of slows up the time is appreciating right now like dude vibing out with you, yeah. And, and, and us talking like this. Nothing, yeah. But like enjoying it while it's on. Don't be like, oh, I can't wait till that drops to watch mm-hmm. it, right? Because that's, that's how I've been in the past. I've done stuff like this and my head's like, can't wait to watch this, right? It's almost like eagle, like, oh, I want to watch this and post it, right? I'm liking this.
1: Yeah, you're in the moment. You're present right now. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're- and
2: that's the closest thing I've noticed to slowing. You can't make it stop, okay? Mm-hmm. We don't have no fucking pause button. But the closest thing I've noticed to it is just appreciating this. Right now, you know, so I once again thank you for having me on because of the part two, because I know you always have, you know, you got a plethora of people you can pick from and do that. And and the last time we spoke, I feel like we were just getting cracking too, and I was like, Oh fuck, it's over. It
1: was a great convo too, man. I we could have probably ran a marathon conversation, you know. That was great. It's fun for me too, just to like hear people, whether I know them or don't personally just kind of hear these stories and uh you know, it's more it's a little more special when I do know the person personally, like you. But it just—it's—it's it's fun for me, just as a as a friend, as a fan, to hear it, and then to go back and forth and share what I have to share and hear you shit. Because you know, gives you different perspectives, different angles on shit. You know, you see that. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, and uh, like I know when we were chopping it up before,
2: you were mentioning something about some people would hit you up about um some graph related questions, possibly. Oh yeah.
1: Um. Well, you know, graffiti is kind of one of those things that's uh. I don't know how you how I can put this, but you know, it's it's spoken about generally behind closed doors or or if it's on like you know a documentary or something, not not always are the writer's themselves very candid with it because a lot of the shit that goes down is illegal. And also, you know, depending on what you're you're at in, in your graffiti career, um anonymity is important. You don't want to be really revealing yourself. You don't wanna be, you know, you wanna have ups, you want people to know your name, but you don't want them to know you. And, and uh you know which is a very if you think about all other art people want i want to be known for music for writing for whatever Painters, but with graffiti you want to have your, your name known but you don't want to be known and that's a yeah. paradox and uh the stories that go in in with graffiti are so great, and People like to hear them, but you can't really hear them often, at least from the horse's mouth, because it's like we said, it's, there's legalities to it, or, or you know, you want to keep things a secret. So when somebody shares that shit, people are like, "Ooh, that's juicy! That's crazy!" I know those things must go on, but I I don't know the details, or I'm doing the crazy shit too. So they like to hear somebody share that shit. Yeah, um, you know, I feel like we live in a we
2: live in a world too. Where times have changed, and as you're saying that, and I'm listening, I realize too, like. If I was to go into some crazy story, right? Yeah. That story's already fucking happened.
1: So yeah.
2: there's no, it, it's just, it's fucking, it's it's back there. Yeah. And, and I kind of, I know it's going to sound arrogant, but I'm more like, I don't give a fuck. I'll yeah. tell you the story.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've told it. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, you know what I'm saying? You've lived it, you know? So.
2: Because, well, the thing is too, a lot of the shit that I'll share that's like on some wild shit is more in the past. Yeah. Of course. So I'm more like, yo, we're on a podcast. It's me and you shooting the shit. Because I personally, bro, even at my age, I still like when I see certain podcasts or maybe I run into certain people and we're just chopping it up. Like, it's just moments in time. Yeah, yeah. And if and if you're into graffiti and into that, sometimes hearing these stories are cool, as long as they're true. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, mean, long
1: it's not some fabricated. fucking. You never know, right? And that's the other fabricated thing. bullshit. That's the other thing because it's, you know, unless it's like a legal wall or a legal production, you know, this shit happens in the shadows. This happens at night. And there is always, there's just like in, in music and, and in, I'm learning in the literary world, there's gossip and storytelling and men gossiping. When I was hanging around with a lot of writers, it was a lot of this gossiping, not just shit talking like, fuck this guy, fuck that crew. But like, it was like the game of telephone. I would hear a story from some dudes. Then I'd be hanging out with a whole other crew of dudes and you'd hear a a different version of this story, just probably because it got passed through so many people's ears that by the time you hear it again, it's been distorted or changed and shit. But uh, you know, like, I, I, there's always wild stories. I, I mean, I was around for some of these things, not as a writer, just as as a dude hanging out, you know, a, uh, a civilian, if you will. Have I still got you, Baxi. Oh, there he is. There's my man. There we go. There you go. Yeah, but like, I mean. I I had a friend of mine, um, you know, he's not writing now. He still does art, but he's not like bombing and shit anymore. And he's kind of on some, like, he just likes to talk about it with me or anybody. He's like, man, fuck it. I'm telling these stories. You know, I I don't care. I've got nothing to hide no more. I've been to jail. I've done all that. He just likes to share it. Maybe it's just therapeutic to get it off his chest, out of his head. But, uh, you know, he likes to share that shit. And that's interesting because he probably had to keep it quiet so long you know you got to keep secrets you know there's my man good. we're good we're rocking um but you know like one thing I, I think people don't understand is that you can go to jail for graffiti like when they hear that they don't believe that's a law and i was talking to some kid in california i was like out here you got three strikes you go into life for graffiti at least you used to and he was like what I was yeah it's like, yeah, yeah. a real thing and you mentioned it earlier like cases and shit like that it's not always just a slap on the wrist or a fine. Like you could, you could end up like serving time depending on what else you may have done for graffiti. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And
2: I, I mean, I remember growing up different times being on uh, probation or had community service, whatever. That's how you know it's a full addiction because I'd know like, okay, if I get caught again, well under these circumstances, right. I'm gonna probably have to go do six months. But back then, it wasn't uh, nothing crazy. Um, but the impulse and the, the craving of wanting to do it more now is almost more intriguing. <laughs> you're already gonna get you're you're already looking at consequences without being on probation, right? Yeah. But then I'd be sneaking out of the house. I'm being like sixteen, seventeen. Now I had to sneak cans out. Where before I got in trouble, with my dad at the time. He didn't really give a fuck. You know, but then once the cops come to the house or I'm fucking getting yeah, summons yeah, and yeah. you know that was different. And as you get older, right, the longer you stay doing this, you've got to become more strategic. Yeah, right? You can't go. Yeah. It used to be an every night thing back in the day. Every night, fucking pain, doing something, right? And within reason, it's like you're you're gonna burn out. You're gonna get
1: caught. Yeah, you're just up in the ante, the more chances you put yourself exposure wise, you know. And now, now it, you know, I uh
2: sometimes boring is peaceful, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I could dig it. That's why I have no desire to ever like skydive, you know. I don't need to <laughs> rush. I did so many crazy things in rushes, I don't need that rush, you know what I'm saying? I'm good, yeah, yeah. I'd rather just chill out. I mean, you know, so I feel you, man. But that, that impulse, like you're saying, that that's when you know it's like an addiction because I could go to jail, I could go to court, I've already been there, and I can't stop. We have a mutual friend whose name I won't mention here, another very notable graffiti writer and, and a guy who did art. He got caught, and he was living in New York when I was living there. He got caught a, um, a number of times, and this time he had to go to Rikers for like a few days. And he's not like... He's no, he's no J back. He's not some very, you know, he wasn't going to your boot camp, put it like that. He wasn't in the boot camp. He was a smaller dude. And he yeah. was scared naturally. So he, you know, if you go to jail, they they will segregate you if you if you're an addict, you know, they put you in a different population, people who are addictions usually. So he said he was, you know, addicted to opiates. So then he didn't know this, but come certain hours after intake, they give out the methadone pills. And he was like, shit, you know. So he he fake took one the first time, and I think he like traded it. And the other time they were watching him so close, he had to take it. And now he doesn't. Oh do yeah. It. So he never had
2: yeah, it. she so so gonna be fucked
1: up. So those three days, four days in Rikers was a mess, dude. He was all fucked up off that shit, you know. <laughs> it <was> a mess. <laughs> the shit that we'll do. That's funny, man. Yeah, man. You know, uh, it's it's fucking. Cr- it's like. You know, I've had a lot of people I know, Like, I, there was a the vandal squad, if anyone doesn't know, I, some cities have them, they specialize in things like vandalism, graffiti. Like that's <laughs> yeah. the main target of yeah. the vandal squad. They're nope. not getting kids egging houses. Nope.
2: Yeah, you know what we call them? Those motherfuckers couldn't make it as real detectives, so they're over there chasing writers, thinking they're on NYPD Blue and shit, bro. It's like, get a fucking real job.
1: The lady's name in Boston that ran it for years was Nancy. We're not going to say her last name, but she was very infamous amongst (laughs) people I knew fucking hated her. But but people won't believe this. There was people who got their houses raided, or or if they got busted for something else, like they were coming looking for black books in, in, in proof of your graffiti career so they could link you as the individual to these names they saw on these walls and prove it,
2: you know? It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that same thing. Her and uh and, and fucking and Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Detective, yeah. Detective Kelly yeah. years ago. And this is fine. I don't give a fuck. It's so long ago. Do it. It's, it's awesome. whatever. I'm gonna but this microphone. I'm listening. So they rate, they, they,
1: they. I'm here. I'm just moving. Um, this. I got you. I'm listening.
2: They rated. They rated a show that we had years ago. We did a um a, like a. a this a, is kind a, of a funny story. So we, we we teamed up with the dudes from Canada, right? They used to have shrimp.com, but it was with three eyes and it was all oh, okay. graffiti yeah, of course. on the on the girls.
1: Yeah. And it was
2: fire. We, yeah, and we did a show in Boston. Yo, where I, I
1: swear I was there. Where was that?
2: It was in Southie at the Lofts.
1: Yeah, dude, I was there for that shit. Yeah. So what's funny,
2: if you remember this, right? We had flies and shit. Um, but leading up to the show. It was almost like rave style in the sense where we didn't drop the uh, the address or where the show was until very close to the show.
1: How you protect shit, though, from safe, you know, safe Yeah, so, priorities. but
2: what's funny, right? So, it was either the Globe or the Herald, one of them, right? Underground graffiti convention going down in Boston. First of all, they worded it like fucking straight geeks. Underground graffiti convention. Dude, it's, first of all, it's just a fucking show where people are using paint markets and acrylics. And writing on a bunch of half-naked strippers and shit, dude. It's not an underground graffiti convention. And That's sensational. That, right? that like, it, like, but it like boosted the hype of this show. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so then we dropped the location. Where there. Wait, it came My out. I had, Sorry, in- this,
1: the story came out before the actual show. The news story. The story that they put in the paper. Yes. So how did they find out about it? Like someone, someone snitching. Who? Someone.
2: Well, and I was just about to joke with that when I said, yeah, get a real job. They're they're just fucking detectives. They they couldn't cut it because most of these motherfuckers got all their info from fucking arresting toys and kids that were scared of a cop just going, hey, tell us who blah, blah, blah is. Uh, Right? That's how their work is.
1: Yeah. That's how regular cops work too.
2: This isn't like CSI fucking selfie, bro. They're not like actually fucking, you know what I mean? So they put this in. We're all hyped because we're like, yo, they just fucking promoted this show for us. Popping show now. Right. And I mean, it was a legit show. And I was even, I was in recovery back then. I was in my mid 20s. I think I had like two years sober at the time. Um, but it was a legit show. So we had to get a lick license and all. It was a legit show. The bear and all this stuff. So they come rolling up into the show towards the end. Detective Kelly. And I mean, this is back in 2007. We're going into 2022. Yeah, I don't care. I turn a corner, dude's like, What up, Jay? Oh yeah, they all they knew all your names. Yeah, but I just kept it moving. I didn't even flinch. Yeah. I'm not J to you, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not it I know that you know it's me. Yeah. Do nothing wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: So I'm not giving you a satisfaction, right? fucker And of course,
1: this because he's
2: no longer alive. Mize turns the corner. Rest yeah. in peace, Mize.
1: In peace, Mize, man, yeah.
2: My turns the corner and he's like, fucking Kelly's over there saying Keith and blah, blah, blah. He engages with him. He does the exact opposite that I do. Oh, yeah. Which is foolish. But- the rest his soul. But I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah. I literally looked at him. I was like, I, I go, are you fucking serious, bro? Like, I was like mad, you know, because I'm mad that they're there. I know that the party's about to be over. There's chicks everywhere, half naked with artwork on It's a huge party. Yeah. great party. DJ. Oh, I came up
1: with you with some VLK kids, I think, real quick. Yeah. Oh, well, was mad. Everyone was there.
0: Yeah.
2: Right? They break the party up. Class. What they did because it was over capacity, right? Oh yeah. Fine. So I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm a little shook that he said my name. Okay. So <laughs> I see my boy and his wife. And as they're walking down the stairs, I literally hide behind them. Because <laughs> these cops, they're all like this. They got the fucking, Kelly's got the, yeah, under- they thought they were like New York undercover, right? Yeah. They're dressed in plain clothes. You look like you look like someone's nerdy-ass uncle that's trying to fit in at a graffiti show, right? You look like a cop, bro. I mean, yeah. I hate to break it to you. But he got the necklace on with the badge hanging. Yeah. I see that. I, I hide behind my boy and his wife. I dip out. I don't get caught. Now, and I'm not going to mention this dude's name now because he doesn't write anymore and he's he's very successful in a different line of work, but he gets snatched up for underage drinking. Oh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. They, get you, these, these they motherfuckers. get you for being a writer, but they got you for that infraction. Yeah.
2: Him, yeah,
1: man. they needed to come and, and, and flex their
2: power somehow. So I remember them arresting him. So the show ends by arresting Little Man. So corny. Excuse me. But, I was just happy that obviously I didn't get fucking hemmed up and that the show, we were able to have the show go most of the night, but around that time ever, they also did an article on us too. Like, um, it's no longer a thing now. Cause we had a lot of, uh, issues within the crew, but MVS used to be my shit too. Nasty Vandal squad yeah. and Kelly and someone else. They had put a, I still have like six copies stashed away somewhere that I saved, but they, um, They'd wrote an uh, an article on us, which once again, as writers, it's like, oh, thank you for the publicity. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's why I saved them. It's just cool to have. It's gonna be a cool story to show my kids or you know whatever down the road. Because um, at the time, it sucked. I remember being like, damn, am I gonna get raided? Am I gonna get caught up again? Am I gonna whatever? But it's like, hey, thanks for talking about us in the paper and letting us know that we get it in.
1: Promo man, yeah, and like I mean. Now I know, like you know, back then, I guess at your age at that time, you were doing shows, but you were also, you know, getting up bombing hard and stuff. And I think as as a lot of writers do, like you're doing as you get a little older, it's not like you abandon being out there, like you said, but doing more more canvases, more commission work, more shows and shit. And um, like, you know, I I I got a lot of writer friends and uh I remember going to um, Retina's like first big show in New York because my friends who were in MSK dudes, and it was like a yep. big big show. It was one of his first ones. This is like 2009 or eight or something, and it was just crazy to see like you know just the way it was not transitioning per se, but just how it was catching on. And it was a different vibe, for, you know. Getting used to now I'm in a show and uh, shit like that. Um, trying has a big thump like a gorilla fell, or <laughs> maybe a hippo. But uh, what's up with some some back shows, man? Some back gallery shows. So now that I'm up in uh, up in uh,
2: up northmore, um, I haven't done a show since probably 2000. I think it was like the summer of 2016. Mm-hmm. We did the uh, it was a crew show for DBM, and I I chose to. Um, well, I pitched the idea and they liked it. I was like, "Yo, we should do uh, dreams being made," because I wanted it to be like a, a positive meaning for DBM. And we hung up some tomb shit. Rest in peace, tomb. Um, and and the whole crew had different different uh, pieces. But but one of my big goals for this year coming up for two thousand twenty two, whether it's it's the summer or maybe the end of the summer, is I want to have. I think me and Swerve are gonna do it. Yeah. Uh, my goal at first was to do one by myself, but, but that's like my partner in crime. And we do a lot of business together, murals, uh, productions, trains, all of it. And me and him have been painting together since 2006. But in these last handful of years, we, uh, me and him out of any, anyone else that I'm cool with as far as a writer, we just really see eye to eye where I'll pitch an idea to him. And anyone that knows me, I'm super passionate about. Painting, but I'm also passionate leading up to these productions. You know, like if I come up with an idea or a color scheme, I'll be like, yo, the we should do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's, and it kind of goes back to what I'm saying, like appreciating the current moment. Yeah. So instead of always being like, oh, what's next? What's next with painting? The planning, the process, that's what makes these bangers. Is putting the energy into like the preparation and planning. It's not just, don't just show up and wild out with cans plan the color scheme, plan the theme. <clears throat> we send sketches to each other with the layouts ahead of time. That's and, um, yeah, man, since since the last time that we talked, a, a big, big goal of mine is a show. That'd be dope. You know, that's kind of what like the cartoon series because I want to I wanna do a big, like I want to have, because yeah. all this type of shit, it, it resonates with people, right? And what I've noticed too, like switching over to more of an artist, or I shouldn't even say switching over. It, it's it's merging that into my being a writer type of career too. Like I like doing this, but I don't do back pieces on these cartoon joints. I love doing the characters like in acrylic, and then I spray the backgrounds, and I do like these nice blends, and I and I tweak them all with my own color schemes.
0: Mm.
2: I want to do almost like a my life in art type of show. I want it to be like a cartoon section from when I was a kid. I want to have a fucking section dedicated toward trains. That's I want to have a section dedicated towards burners and like big ass. So you have all the aspects of graffiti. That's maybe Ill. even a, yeah, maybe even a wall that's just hand style stuff. That's Ill.
1: I like that. I dig that. Yeah. yeah my, my, no. my art basically. I got I to fly back to that shit, man. I love going up to people's shows when I know them. I mean, it's fun to go to strangers, but when you know people and shit, I just tend to appreciate it more when have, a very enjoyable time, you know. Enjoy the moment. Oh, yeah. And that's what I want to do. I want to. I
2: want to go big with it because the community I'm in now and involved with what I do for work. Is... Yeah. What and just like because because people are mentioning it already.
0: Oh yeah, you know,
2: oh, I would love to. You know, and that means people. a lot because I'm gonna pour my heart and soul into
1: that show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you want to want to appreciate it with people. Yeah, you want to be in the moment too, not just. Sometimes when you have an event, you're running around so much that you can't really enjoy it at at the time. You wanna be having a good time and and be- Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's
1: that's the- Which
2: is true, when you do have a show though, it does does get hectic because everyone wants to talk to you and do stuff, but that's that's a blessing, man. If you've got a bunch of people that care about you, trying to show support, that's a dope-ass obligation to feel like, oh. It, you know, you pull here, You talk with this one. Talk with that one. People are gonna ask you about certain pieces. Yeah. Plus, it'll be a great time because I'll be able to launch a bunch of the new street smart stuff as well. So it's, it's tight. It'll baby. be a whole, yeah, a whole arsenal of like what I've been working on.
1: Did you? Is that? Did you do that hat for people just listening, not watching? Uh, back's got a, a really ill Boston hat on. Uh, did you do that? Yeah. So this this was a collaboration with
2: uh, the label. It's a company out of Boston.
1: Yeah, I've heard of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah and this is this was my hand style. I did a collaboration oh, with them.
1: Dude, I got to grab that out of, out of I mean I just think it looks dope but out of respect too to show you some love, but that shit's ill. I
2: like that. Yeah, I got I did um I did four of them. So I did the box logo like this yep. with the red and white. I did the box logo with black and white. Um then I did another one where this hand style takes up the whole front and oh. then I did one with, with my uh with my beat. Yo, I'm gonna grab one real quick to show you.
1: Yeah, show me it's I always appreciate supporting uh, you know, people I know who make shit, but it makes it a lot easier when they make shit that's dope, that you actually like, and you're not just wearing something or listening to something uh, just to do it. You know? Yeah, it's so cool.
2: I got, yeah. we got, this one's my favorite. It got that's the Boston cool.
1: hand style. Yeah. That's and true.
2: then it's got the backs, it's got the backs hand style right there.
1: That's fucking L, dude. Yeah, man. I got a great. I
2: got the black. Oh, that's tough. The black hand style, and then I got the signature B.
1: Oh, that's fucking sick, dude! Wow, you got the, t- the trademark the back too. Hell yeah!
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's ill. That's ill. Actually, I was wearing a seventh letter hoodie, which is like MSK's like clothing. clothing. Yeah, yeah. I, it's yeah. Too hot in here to wear right now, but yeah, I was rocking that earlier. Plus, I didn't yeah. want to be wearing some other cruise shit when I got you on, you know. But yeah, that's ill, man. I dig that shit, though, man. yeah Yeah, so i wanted my
2: another thing too with with getting back into doing the street smart is um coming out with with hats and hoodies and it honestly it's just another line of being creative thinking of something and being like yo it's dope it's it's like another avenue of of pushing just being creative Mm. where it's kind of like another way of getting up yeah yeah i mean that's the way i look at it because when i i I, you know i've since i've been up in this area uh sold a bunch of shirts and I do these drops and I don't even have a website. People are like, oh, you should have this, you should, and I get it and part of it honestly is being lazy with not doing it, but I'll do these drops and fucking sell out of them.
1: So how are you selling them? Are you just like hand-to-hand or are you like on social media selling them? Hand-to-hand or I'll, or social media, I'll
2: mail them to people, but I'll do it, it's all me. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's all me yeah. or I'll drop, I did some uh, windbreakers. Windbreakers? People keep asking about those that yeah they're fucking. It's a camel windbreaker, and it's got the double uh, street smart ass. And then what I do too is i got I got these black bags, like mail bags, and I pull fold I the clothing up in there and I slap one of these on them cause presentation's everything. So when you sell it to someone, when they open it up, they get a few stickers in there too, then they can they can put that shit out in the street.
1: So everybody like I, I love stickers when I was a young kid, especially skateboarding, any product you buy, they give you a few stickers and you just love them. And like, I still get stickers from all my people who do different things and I put them on shit. I, I fucking, I don't know why more companies don't hook you up with stickers because kids love them. I'm an adult. I fucking love them. I mean, I used to make yeah.
2: the shit. Dude. Stickers. I
1: love,
2: I love it. I'm about to drop these hoodies with this. um, For the winter, I'm doing hoodies with this hand style on it. It's dope. Dripping all the way down to the, That's tight. to the, yeah, to the pouch. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, cool. I dig that.
2: Well, because it's, the outside painting is going to start coming to a halt. It's not as enjoyable in the winter. You know, it's not. It
1: gets a little, gets a little frosty, a little frigid. And then you got snow and slush. You know? Yeah. You can't really, you can't compete yeah. with
2: and yeah. And it's, yeah, and my life's very, my life's very full. So when I got downtime with my girl and the baby, I enjoy that. And I don't, um, I don't like to intervene with that too much as far as adding other things. That time is that time. Yeah. You know, um, I also need time to decompress. Yeah. Sometimes work work is very busy. My phone is nonstop. I'm dealing with treatment houses and sober living houses, and um, I cherish my time. You know, It's valuable. It's valuable. Yeah, and then when I, and then when I do have some downtime where I can fit in something, like you know i I like afraid of something. I like a train. I like uh you know if I got a friend that comes to town from from new York we'll still we still get it in yeah, you know what I mean we do, but it's it's very uh it's very few and far between, but when I do it, I do it, and it just keeps it consistent and I enjoy it
1: yeah, it means you know? It means even more to you too because it's less often so you really cherish that time. you're very present again in the moment, fucking having a blast yeah. yeah.
2: Because even too much of something you honestly really enjoy yeah. will become overwhelming and fill you with, you'll be tired and, and, and just burnt out from
1: it. Yeah, it's true. You, it S- repetitious and shit and you, lose, you lose the Yeah,
2: stuff. and repetition, repetition is good, with, but within reason. Yeah. Like, I have a few meetings I go to during the week. I have, um, like, tomorrow's a good day. Tomorrow, I, like I said, I run men's group. I go to boot camp. Then I'll go to one of the treatment houses, and I do a bunch of haircuts for the guys that are brand new. Make them feel good.
1: Keep them fresh, dude. Shit.
2: Look good, feel good, bro. You gotta take care of yourself and yeah. Recovery is a, um, it is a very tough road, but it's also very rewarding. And it's definitely more so tough in the beginning because you're trying to figure yourself out, what this life looks like, and I try to just be there for people and show them that I've been there.
0: Yeah.
2: I know exactly how you're feeling, but I also know a way out of that. Yeah. That's the hope. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
2: That, that's, the, that's the fucking hope is that you're not the only one that's feeling fucked up. You might think that you are the only one fucked up. or well, that you're the only one thinking that negatively or whatever, but that's not the case. And I think anyone, not just like people that battle drug addiction, relate with that if you're really listening yeah you know what i mean just like finding some people that you relate with and then and and just being honest with them
1: do you ever get writers or anybody coming into these these uh centers uh, these groups like that are dealing with addiction um not
2: in person i have one so when i moved back up from florida a year and a half ago when we were doing the podcast which we're gonna be starting that back up i think over the winter I had a, um, he had first hit me up on Instagram. He's from Australia. And this is where just being who you are and sharing your story and just being transparent, right? Which is not for the weak. Not at all. Not everyone's willing to just, because you'll be judged. People will judge you. I mean, we just, we're human. So it's just what it is. Yeah. But he seen or heard that I was in recovery. I had shared that I had all this time before and relapsed and it was super hard to come back from that. And that struck a chord with him because he had the same story. Mm. This is a real, you know, he's a legitimate writer. Like out in Australia doing clean trains and, and, and I just, I always feel like I have to stress like the real writer. Like it's not some like, culture vulture that just like does artwork with spray paint and calls himself a writer he uh <laughs> yeah because we're dealing with a lot of that in 2021 it's bullshit but um you know he reached out and was like you know I had a couple years man I relapsed and it's been tough coming back I, I second guess every it was every he was basically telling me my story mm, it's like a mirror yeah yeah and then he started watching the podcast and he chimed in I think he's doing great now and I think he has you know a year and a half now, or so like he's been clean since
1: hey man this still you know, touching people on the other continents man like with your art and also the work you do um you know you got long reach man you got long reach in a good way back that's good man that's good well i just
2: i i mean i i denied how i really felt for a long time and just chased ruining my life mm. Whether I viewed it that way or not back then, I definitely chased ruining my life. What I was chasing every day was ruining my life. Who the fuck would have thought that just by getting out of your own way, allowing some people to help you, changing your life, and then implementing some positive things? Because you gotta, I had to go from like this negative, repetitious life to implementing some positive things and doing that repetitiously. Like, do it when you don't wanna do it because. Me, when I was out, wowing out, I definitely did a lot of fucked up things when I didn't want to do them just because I had to keep going. Yeah. So now the positive life looks like that. Like in the morning, I'll go to the gym. I don't always wake up every morning and, you know, want to go to the gym.
1: I feel you. feel you.
2: But I still go because I leave, I thank myself.
1: Yeah. You always feel better after. Sometimes you got to push yourself in uncomfortable positions or uncomfortable places because life's going to do that to you anyway. So if you can do it on your own, it better prepares you for that. Yeah. And I just. You get what you put in, Jake. Definitely. That goes with
2: anything, man. You know what music you got, what you put into it. Yeah, it's true. With writing, I've got what I've put into it. Recovery, I get what I put into it. Relationships, you get what you put into it. The gym. It's true. I'm going to be fucking 42 in February and. I'm in definitely one of the best time periods in my life, shape wise. Like, I mean, I was like fucking yoked the fuck up when I was like <laughs> 32. Most of my adult life, I was, you know, when I was still uh, wowing out and potty and shit, sure, obviously the gym wasn't it. But most of my, you know, um, mid to late 20s, early 30s, then the mid 30s was kind of like off and on. And now, again, I've always taken working out serious because. Not only is it nice to look good in the summer or when you're fucking, it's just, as a man, I just, me, the way I'm wired, it's nice to, like, be in shape.
1: Yeah, and it feels good that you can use your body for things. Like, if you've got to do some shit physically, you're not out of shape. It's not going to leave you winded. The gears are oiled. It's like your car, keeping your car in good shape. You don't wake up with a fucking lower back pain, and you can pick shit up, you know what I'm saying? You can climb over the edge of a building if you had to, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, it's not Sometimes comes into play. Maybe you're doing a whole car. Maybe you're yeah, fucking climbing yeah. all over trains. You know. No, nah, nah, it's true, man. A dude, like you, I was gonna ask you like who your HGH dealer is, but you're just a naturally healthy, exercising motherfucker. You look great, dude. You, yeah, I'm jealous, man. <laughs> and that's not even a. Oh my god, man, ladies and gentlemen, this guy's just naturally fucking got some good color in the sun. You're looking healthy, b. Looking good. Yeah. Thank man.
2: you, bro. I appreciate that shit.
1: So you know what I might have to do, like. If I come out for your art show and shit, they would be like, you just be my personal trainer for a week. We'll just go get ripped. We'll just get crazy, dude. Yo. Train eggs, only eggs straight, dude. Push ups all morning, all night. Yo. Hey, you can
2: only listen to the Rocky theme song the whole time in the gym, bro.
1: Oh, my God. Just Repeat, dude. I would fucking, I want to, I want eggs off my own six pack, dude. <laughs>